my um my iPhone uh has belly button lint. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Boom, cold opener. Boom, we did it. That's <laughs> yes. perfect cold opener. <laughs> I That's was pl- so weird. I've been planning that for months. <laughs> okay, what what is it's so okay. So my iPhone um for a while now it has had a difficult time um like mounting to the plug, the lightning adapter for for charging. So like I'd mm-hmm. plug it into my phone but it wouldn't like mount in properly right it, so it that's felt like, really loose and if you like wiggled it around it would just fall back out weird and, and so i was like oh crap like that's mate. a pretty like sticky sticky right opening. And, and what i thought was was just too much like plugging in and unplugging of my phone and that it it had worn down over time and just couldn't hold the um cable in the phone anymore so that's your iphone's belly button right so (laughs) so what uh, i got to a point one night where i plugged it in and nothing happened anymore it wasn't even charging and i was like oh crap like like i need to figure this out soon because my phone is going to be dead and there's nothing that i can do about it yeah and so i was like i need to figure this out before i go to bed and so i I was um, Googling it, just trying to figure out what might be some of the problems. Mm-hmm. And it said that um, depending on how you carry it in your phone, I don't know, how, how do you carry your phone in your in your pocket? With the port down. With the port down. Okay, yeah. I, I, I'm a port up carrier. Okay. And so I carry it with the port up. And um, in doing so, it seems to have captured a not insignificant amount of lint inside of the port oh, from my gravity. pocket. Yeah. And so, um, you know, all of my... Not insignificant oh, amount? A not insignificant wow. amount. In fact, enough to where it was no longer even making a connection between the charging. Ew. Yeah. And so, um, so I Googled that. And I was like, maybe that's the problem. And so I took a paper clip and I bent the end of the paper clip and with the end of the paper clip, I spent the next like thirty minutes fishing oh, lint out of the the port oh, for man. my phone, and literally it, it was probably enough to cover the face of a dime. Oh my gosh! That was shoved what? up into my phone. wow! It was amazing. That's like the amount of wax that was in my ear. Yeah, it's just like your earwax <laughs> scenario, except with my phone yeah. and with lint. And oh. yeah, so I like I, I just kept pulling and pulling and pulling. I I was holding a flashlight in my mouth so that I could see down in regular the port. recon. Yeah, and and like like get a little bit of a visual as I'm like pulling out more oh, and man. more lint, and it just blew my mind. That's so how weird. much lint was in there. Man, are you going to be a port down kind of guy now? No, no, no. I no. can't be a port down. Nice. Guy. Why? What What is your reasoning for that? Oh no! I'm in, okay. So, are do you you obviously go screen towards your leg? Yep, of course. I'm not crazy. 
Yeah, right. That, that's like that's like that's, suicidal to yeah, have your screen facing elementary. out. There's no way. There's no reason to have your screen facing out. That's that's how you break your screen. Yeah. So you you have to go screen towards your leg. Mm-hmm. But if you have port down front pocket, front pocket. We're talking front pocket. Front pocket, obviously. Yeah, because you, you don't, don't want to sit on your dude, phone. Like every single girl in the world does back pocket. Every single one. Do you remember dangerous generalization? Whoa! <gasps> There's one. Oh, we haven't done one of those that in a long is time. Totally a dangerous generalization. Ah, yes. Okay. Ready? Ready? Cue the music. Dangerous. Okay. Love it. Yes. <sighs> felt so good. Yeah, it feels so good. To <laughs> work in another dangerous generalization. <laughs> yes. I don't think we've had one since the first one. I know since the first since episode, the very first episode, we've probably had dangerous <laughs> generalizations. We just like haven't noticed, forgot about. We them. haven't recognized it. But yeah, dangerously, we will generalize, generalize that every girl in the world carries their every phone in their back one. pocket. But do you remember when the iPhone 6 first came out mm-hmm. and there was the big thing about how they bend from being in your pocket? Yeah. It's because people are sitting on them. Like, come on, like take care of your phone. Don't right. sit on your phone. It's not right. made – it's not a seat cushion. Right. But anyway, so obviously screen has to be facing your body. Mm-hmm. To take care of it, but if if the port is down, I feel like I have like an additional step to like then like pick it up and then write it into position. Oh, interesting. You have like your thumb on the home button, at, like exactly. Upon- so with 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 the with the port facing up, as I'm pulling it out, it's already completely in the spot the way that it needs to be. And so I, I, I pull I it like, out of the pocket and immediately it's like ready for use. It's like, like a, there's a, it's like a gun in a holster. Right. Right. I feel like there's an, there's an already like necessary repositioning within hand. Like, th- like I, I don't know if I can do the thumb, the thumbprint, like just from with one hand, I, I like take it out, whole cradle it, then do the thumbprint. So like if I'm already going to have that other step, hmm. I just put, go boom. I don't know. Wow. You keep it in your right pocket, right? Right pocket, yeah. right hand, using my right thumbprint. So let's talk about pocket setup. What, that what, thumbprint what's, thing. What's, what's all of your pockets look like? What's happening in your okay, pockets? Okay, right pocket, phone, left pocket. That's auxiliary. My left front pocket is auxiliary. Oh, so it, it may be empty. It may have things that you need for the day. Yeah, maybe empty. Yeah, for real. Right back pocket, wallet. Right back. Yep. Left back pocket keys. Okay. Yeah. Key. I, and I just have very key. simple keys. I was going to say, like, you barely have keys. I have at a all. single little key ring with my car key, my house key, and like the key to a, a, a closet in the movie theater that my church meets in. Hmm. And I rarely use that. Hmm. Interesting. So in my pockets, I, um, Right front pocket, um, wall or phone. Sorry, right right front pocket phone. Okay. Left front pocket wallet. Okay. Um, right back pocket. Um, depending on what I'm wearing, I I, I recently bought shorts that don't have any. Um, belt left loops. back pocket. Oh, belt loops. Oh. Um, which which is a little bit of a new phenomenon for me, 
but I have a carabiner on my keychain, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll clip it to the belt loop and let it hang freely into my right pocket. So it's suspended, but it's being corralled by the that's right pocket. That's your keys? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'll do on my, my right back pocket. Okay. And then... How many keys do you have? Um, what are you working with? So I've got my car key. I've got... Um, a couple of work keys. Okay. Um, and all of those are on actually a smaller, like S shaped carabiner that is clipped onto the carabiner. Okay. So I've got all my work keys on that carabiner. Um, and then I have, um, one other key that is like a skeleton key that I don't remember where I got it from. (laughs) Uh, I have no idea what it goes to. Oh my gosh. And I don't even know how long it's been on my keychain for. I don't remember when I started carrying it. But at some point in time, I put this on my keychain and it's just always been there. Wow. And so, yeah. That's like sentimental at this point. Well, so I remember, when, when did Inception come out? Was that like 2012? Yeah, ish. So, somewhere around there. So I remember in, in Inception, um, they used the top, and that was how they knew they were in... Th- their totem. Yeah, that was their totem, exactly. And that's how they knew that if they were in reality or if they were in a dream state. Right. And in reality, it would be there? In, 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 well, in, in reality, it would stop spinning. Well, in Leonardo DiCaprio's case, it was a top, and it would stop spinning in reality. Right. But other people had, like, a weird little figurine or something right. they, that they would just be their, there. They all had their own totem. Or, or, like, the figurine might, like... The arm look, might move in reality. It look, might look different or something. Like, oh. Like, they know exactly what it is and how it looks, and, and because how it they, functions in reality. they completely know what it looks like, that is proof to them whether or not they are in reality. Mm-hmm. So after seeing that, I looked at my key ring and I, I have this key. Maybe, maybe I never had this key. Maybe we're not in reality. Maybe Dude, I've been in a dream, dream state since 2012 and this key appeared in that dream what state. What if that movie was in your dream? Then I'm, <clears throat> a, I'm a genius if that is the case. But, but it's just as absurd as we all think. but but literally i looked at that and i was like this is my totem like i i know what this looks like it's got if if you maybe i shouldn't say this out loud for the chance of ruining my totem but if you look down if you if you hold it out from you as if you're about to put it into a door and Mm -hmm. you look down the the length of the key with the teeth up uh, no, with the teeth down. Oh, okay. So if you look down the length of it, um, it makes a perfect number five. Like oh, that's the shape of the skeleton key. Okay, interesting. So um, that that's always been like my little totem thing. Interesting. That's so funny. Yeah, and I don't I don't really think about it too often, but every once in a while I'm like. Oh yeah, Inception. That was a pretty good movie. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I'm in reality. Reminder on my key ring. You look at this extra random key, and you're like, "Cool, not dreaming." <laughs> right. Have you ever come in contact with it in a dream? No, 
No. That would be, I think if you manipulated that, that key, like if you interacted with that key enough in reality, surely that would come up. Like, I think you'd mm-hmm. have to take a look at it if every, I did like, like a reality check, like, yeah, like every three hours it. or something like that, like mm-hmm. a day, every single day. Yeah. That I'm, would be I'm a regular. Sure it would occur. I had like a crazy dream last night that I was, I was like, I saved the world like Will Smith and Independence Day. And I don't even, I've never seen that movie ever. But like, you, you, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop your dream story. You've never seen Independence, like the original Independence Day. Yeah, no, never. I know that there's a killer like speech at the end, but no, I've never seen it. The whole movie, the whole movie, man. It's great. Is it really legendary? It's great. It's a great movie. Wow, I don't know how I haven't seen it. Like when, when I saw they were remaking Independence Day, the only thing I could think was like, why? Why are you remaking a movie? That was just so good and never needed a sequel. Dang, really? Yeah, and, and you could tell by by the previews of Independence Day that, like, not necessary. Well, that they didn't quite understand why Independence Day is such a great movie. Like, it's not about the action s- sequences. It's it's the characters that drive the story and the really? conversations and and the comedic moments that happen very organically between the characters, like. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. Wow. Dang. Well, yeah, dang. So I basically made up the ending of Independence Day randomly. Okay, dude, this is so weird. I, okay. I, like, basically was in a school. Like, there's a lot that happened before this sequence, but, like, this happened. And I was like, this is Independence Day in this, in this scene. So, like, I was in a school and, like, like... I don't know what the threat was or anything. All I remember is like pointing this big old laser cannon out the window. And I was basically viewing myself in third person. And like, I was like, shot this laser cannon so hard out the window, but I didn't know what I was shooting it at. But I was just like, ah, and I was holding on for dear life. And it was, there was so much wind, like blowing my clothes and my hair and everything just like, cause it was so hard to hold on to this laser cannon. And like, it was just so powerful of a laser cannon. And like there was subtitles, there was like a, in, in your yeah in my dream in like your dream was subtitles yeah but but it wasn't like regular old subtitles like you know like like dubbing for like a foreign language film or anything it was like like the screen went black and had words kind of like a long time ago in a far, galaxy far far away kind of thing well, so, like like a silent movie like you yes, were shooting yes. and then it was like yeah like a it title went blank and it was it. And it said, like, die, you scum. And yes. then it went back to yeah. you shooting. So it was like me going, like, bah! And I, there wasn't much sound, but it was like, and the sound from that laser reached the heavens, all, all but heaven itself. Like, lowercase heavens, all but uppercase heaven itself. <laughs> that was... And the sound from that laser reached the heavens, all but heaven itself. And then that's like, literally what your that's what it said. <laughs> and like, like, af- like after that, whatever, I don't even know. But like, then I went outside, went down the steps of this school and, and like walked out to this lawn that like was maybe was like in front of the white house or something. <laughs> and like, there were, there were like, there were like five people like standing out front of the, uh, on this lawn, just like. And like all waiting to congratulate me. And I walked down these stairs with so much swag. I was like, yeah, like, like, sup, just saved the world. <laughs> like walking down this and like hugged some, some like official looking lady, like, 
like I super knew her and she had commissioned me to do this. I was like, sup, yes. And like my mentor, which was this big, like heavy set dude, like has to be, huh? Has to be. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, like maybe like a John Favreau kind of guy (laughs) and like shook his hand, but like knew that it was actually supposed to be a hug moment. So I was like, what am I doing? Shaking your hand. So she gave him a big hug. And then I saw like this dude that I super know and his daughter whose birthday was yesterday. And I was like, Hey, yeah. Like happy birthday. I I was like, happy birthday, Ariel. And that was so, that's not her name. I know that's not her name, but I, I said that uh, and it was, she was like, thanks. Like you guessed at her name in the dream, knowing that the name <laughs> that you had guessed. No, no, I, I, that was her name her in the dream. I guess that was just her name in the dream because I was like, too little time to think of your real name. And so just like, happy birthday, Ariel. And thanks. And there it was. Then I woke up, saved the world though. How crazy is that? Anyway, Independence Day. You're a hero, man. I know. If only I had a totem, though, I would have been like, that would have shattered my dream. I'd have been like, more reason not to have one, right? Yes. It was crazy. It was within the two hour nap that I had this morning. Well, want to get on to coasters? Yeah. Okay, no. you go first. All right. You picked out the coaster for me. I picked out and your coaster. It is down here by my feet. You haven't seen it yet. And I pushed it under the couch. There it is. It's so funny that we don't even use our coasters as <laughs> coasters. Right. You're in a cup holder and I'm already on a hard surface. Yeah. But the tradition lives on. Yes. Movies as coasters. Uh, your coaster for me, which is funny because I almost picked a movie that would go along great with this. Right. I figured. Um, your coaster for me was Zodiac. Yep. A movie that I forget Mark Ruffalo was in. Oh, wow. Exciting. I have never seen that movie in my life. You've never seen Zodiac? No. It's great. It's a great movie. Oh, wow. It's, um, uh, oh, shoot. Hold on. David Fincher. It's a David Fincher oh, movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I almost picked Seven, which is right on the shelf back there, too. I figured you Which yeah, is also a David Fincher that. movie, which is why it would have Is gone, it really? Yeah, which is why it would have gone great with these. Wow. I knew they were both killers. So Zodiac is a movie about the Zodiac Killer. Are you familiar with Zodiac Killer? True story stuff? True story. I know, it, don't know. So um, I don't know if... Well, this is based on a true story. But I don't know if like the characters are actually real, based on real people or oh. not. Or if it's just based on the idea of the Zodiac mm-hmm. Killer. But... Um, Oh, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is in this, too. I totally forgot about that. So Zodiac um, is is about the detectives trying to solve the Zodiac killer um, murders in what years were this? Well, it doesn't say on the back. I want to say it was like the uh, 80s. But the Zodiac killer um, left like written notes like like sent in notes from like cut up pieces of magazines into wow. the police stations basically taunting them oh that's sick. and and to this day nobody knows who the zodiac killer was like he was never caught was he, he was, a serial killer mm-hmm. how many people did he kill i don't know i don't know off the top of like my head. a ton like 30 like a significant amount of people like seven yeah yeah maybe like seven i don't know 
Wow. It's probably unknown how many he actually killed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's what this this story is about. And um, I've only seen it once, but it was really gripping. It was really interesting. David Fincher, he doesn't you know make a movie that's not interesting to watch. So right. I would definitely recommend you watching this. Dang. Well, so let's see your my, coaster. My coaster. Oh, The Patriot. Nice. Yes. I saw this movie once. So good, but very sad in the beginning. Kind of sad throughout. There's there's plenty yeah, of there's sad some parts. real heavy heavy stuff, but it's a good like good old get your get your blood pumping man movie. Yeah. Like yeah. I figured Fourth of July was earlier this week, mm-hmm. so I figured that was an appropriate movie yeah. for the Fourth of July. Yeah, so good. Um, I remember. Uh, spoiler alert for the Patriot for those mm-hmm. of you who haven't seen that movie that came out in like 2000, probably two or something. Let me see. 2002, you say? That's my guess. Oh, maybe like 2000. 2000 it is. Ah, I was trying to think of how old I was the first time I saw it. I was probably like 12. I was probably like 2002 when I saw it. Um, on TV, I think, is when I first saw it. Dang. And... I remember me and my friend William had had watched it um, and the whole next week at school and like, I don't know, what grade are you in when you're 12? Like fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, sixth grade. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think sixth grade. That seems like an older grade than I would expect for the age, but. Wow. Yeah. Fourth grade is nine and 10. 10 and 11 is fifth grade. 11 and 12 is sixth grade. 12 and 13 is seventh. 13, 14, 8th. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Did the whole thing. But that whole next week, all we could talk about was, was the Patriot. And uh, we we were both um, really big Heath Ledger fans at the time. Wow. Um, especially with uh, A Knight's Tale. Because A, a Knight's Tale that had, had come out prob- probably right around the same time. But we had both seen A Knight's Tale before. We saw The Patriot. I never knew A Knight's Tale came to theaters or anything, but I saw it when my dad bought it on DVD. Mm. Oh, so amazing. Oh. It wowed me. Yeah. It's it, so amazing. I love that movie. Yeah, wow. It was just, it's so fun. It's such mm-hmm. a fun movie. Mm-hmm. And Paul, oh. Paul Bettany's character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, oh. wasn't he, he was like, who's the guy who wrote Gulliver's Travels? Jonathan Swift? Maybe not. Maybe his, I, like, I, I feel he like he was more I, of like, like a Thoreau character. Yeah, he like called he, himself. Like, he, he was somebody. Like his character was like a famous. Writer. I know that's what I think. But I can't remember too. exactly. Or, or actually, I think that when when like he was introduced, when he introduced himself, I think he introduced himself maybe as that famous poet or author, but like he wasn't. But he was like, consider me this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like. Is that when he's like naked? He's like yeah. wandering naked through yeah. the wilderness. He was like quoting, and he like quoted jo- Joffrey, <sighs> like so <laughs> pretentious. Yeah, like, he was so great. Yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed that movie. But because we both loved Heath Ledger in that movie, then we saw him in The Patriot, and he dies in The Patriot, and we we're mm-hmm. like, it was actually, it's actually. Walter Isaacson, right? That kills him in the Patriot. Um, I don't know who that is. Lucius Malfoy. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it's the same same actor. I think that's... No, it's not Walter Isaacson. That's the guy that wrote the Steve Jobs biography. Whoever that guy is, yeah. the Lucius Malfoy it's, guy. It's, it's, I, Isaac is somewhere in the name. Wasn't that Lucius Malfoy guy, like, in one of the Shakespeare movies? Like, I confuse him with Brana. Kenneth Brana. Kenneth Brana? Mm. But I, I feel like he was like a big role in a Shakespeare movie. I, I'm, he, he seems like somebody that, that has done Shakespeare. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know off the top of my head. But so, yeah, I just remember both of us being so upset that Heath Ledger had died in the movie. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was a movie... That that was one of those like shaping movies early on for me. That like seeing the Patriot like shaped an appreciation for movies for me. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It was it was a very impactful movie where I was like, wow, movies are really great. Wow. So interesting. You, I've learned a couple things about you and how you are different than me today, which is so hmm. weird because I know you very well. Yeah. But like. That is one of them. The you you like having a moment where you're like, I truly love movies. Mm. Where whereas I, who love movies also, like have just always kind of just passively loved movies mm. and then like found you a person that I love to talk about movies with, but I never had like a defining mo- moment like that. I'm just like, Yeah, movies. And I, you were like Yeah, I have I have a few soul. moments like that. Like the Patriot is one of them. Um, the seeing the Matrix for the first time, also on TV, was one of them. That wow. that, that one just blew my mind, and like for weeks, all I could think about was was the Matrix. And wow. then I never really got the Matrix until like recently ish, mm. like three years no three or four years ago maybe yeah. Mm. And yeah. I was like, oh, The Matrix is like a dreamland. It's based off of like Sophocles or who was, who was the dude who like the shadow, who came up with that, a shadow philosophy. Do you know what I'm talking about? The shadows on the wall? Yeah, I, th- that's I the think Matrix that's is based Plato. Off of. Plato, okay. But yeah, Plato's shadows or something like that. It's like a right. philosophy. Um, and then the that. other ones that really stick out in my mind are... Uh, the first time I saw The Departed, um, I was like 16, so we had to sneak into The Departed. Haha. <laughs> and uh, it was, it, that, that was also like a mind-blowing, like, holy crap, movies are so good. Wow. And then probably in that same year, um, Max gave me Reservoir Dogs to watch. And wow. I watched Reservoir Dogs, and I was just like, one, I can't believe people can cuss this much in a movie. Because um, mm-hmm. you just, watched The it, Departed, right? But it's so it's so condensed in Reservoir Dogs. Like Reservoir Dogs is like an hour shorter and probably has the same amount of cuss words. Oh wow! You yeah. know, it's just like every single sentence is is just f f f f. Yeah, true. You're like whoa, bunch of rough dudes. But but the movie and the storytelling and the characters are just so good that mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, like people are incredible. People like mm-hmm. people that make movies are incredible. 
who who well, has yeah. this idea? Yeah, like, you that, watched that some a, really rich ones too. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, talk, uh, talk about character development. Like, yeah, wow, The Departed. That's Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you said the movie you snuck into The Departed. That made me think of the first movie that I snuck into, mm. and that was Tropic Thunder. With yes. I snuck into Tropic Thunder with Haley. Nice. My girlfriend. Yeah. Now that was way back when I was like probably sixteen too. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Tropic wow. Thunder. Yeah, a little bit of sentimental value there. Yeah. So um couple of things for follow up to go ahead and get into that. It took us a long time took me a long time to finish editing the last podcast mm-hmm. and for us to record now this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Um, and a lot of that was because of different vacation stuff, mm-hmm. both of us being busy, being gone in places, mm-hmm. and we were also in a wedding. Yeah, we were. So our friend Nathan, who we've mentioned before on the podcast, mm-hmm. Uh, we were both in his wedding. We were in it. It's so great. And it was a phenomenal three days. Oh, it was, it was so, so great. Good. We it, stayed in this beautiful like resort, mm-hmm. hotel resort. Oh, so great. Yeah. And, and, uh, that, that was the first wedding that I've ever been into or been in that pretty much everybody in the bridal party just really clicked. We all got along so mm-hmm. well and it was just so fun to hang yeah, out. It was so fun with the other groomsmen, hang out with the bridesmaids. It was all just, it was a, it was a great weekend. I only knew two groomsmen out of the like party of 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean three, including you, but like, yeah, it was like, but we still, even after meeting them for the first time, we all clicked really well. Definitely, definitely. That was cool. Oh my gosh, when she was walking down the aisle, mm. tears. That oh, was so great. It, it was adorable. Nathan Nathan couldn't contain himself. I couldn't. Were you, <laughs> did you cry? N- no. Oh, I super did. Oh, no, wow. That doesn't surprise me. You, you are the much more emotive one. I yeah. am... Happy. I was happy for you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm just like, (laughs) Uh, man, love is so, man. But yeah, so that, that, that's, that's why we haven't been able to crank these out as much as we would have liked. summer, we've, I've been at at a couple camps camps so far, three camps so far. And you still got another one next week. Another two total for the rest of the summer. Two total. Oh, that's a lot of camps, man. Yeah. It's a lot of camps. What's your favorite favorite part about camp? About camp, um, I was in t- the t- first two camps were kids camps. The third one was a uh, high school camp. the The kids camps were so fun because, like, getting them all hyped for the evening session was so crazy. I like sweat so much just like dancing up on stage, getting them all like hyped. Um, and I love that camp that like camp because I worked at that particular camp like mm. three years ago or something and love the vibe there. Um, the high school camp was fun, uh, but like definitely the kids camps were probably like, I was crazy involved in those. And so that was probably like right. the most fun thing. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's move on to follow up from the last episode. 
the movie game. Yeah. Movie oh my game. gosh, that was so great. So the first thing I want to follow up on, and you uh, recorded a little after the fact thing after we had stopped recording because because things made a little bit more sense when we stopped recording mm-hmm. uh, as to some of your hints for the movie. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to give you the chance to elaborate a little bit on um, oh yeah mixing up the illusionist and the prestige yeah what did i say i said paul giamatti mm-hmm. and we and went we we dove into paul giamatti yeah i was like running with that one but paul giamatti's actually in the illusionist so and my movie was the prestige yeah got those two confused but those two are easily confusable because they're twin movies twin movies we, we talked, talked about, about twin that. movies yeah they both came out at the same time the illusionist and the prestige and like, I, I guess I just super confused. I should have gone with like David Bowie. Did I say, Oh, I meant to say like a major Tom reference, which mm-hmm. is like a David Bowie thing. Couldn't work that one in there though. Whatever. It's okay. But yeah, whoops. Paul Giamatti, super not in the prestige. So I, I have a, I actually have a hard time remembering the prestige or the illusionist, the illusionist. I'm mm. mixing them up. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I've only seen The Illusionist once. I think the illu- is The Illusionist the one with uh, um, Edward Norton holding the breath underwater thing. In the- I, I don't even remember. No, I feel like I remember seeing Hugh Jackman suffocate almost underwater. Mm. Uh, I you know I can't yeah I can't remember what The Illusionist yeah was kind of about. Oh well, mixed up man. And I think even the like bird dying. The dove dying in the, in the, like. The prestige. Was that the prestige? Yeah. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Yep, the, that's the prestige. Okay. That's Be- what I thought. Because that, that is paralleling um, the way the clones die. Right. Oh, which is so weird and existential. It mm-hmm. makes you like, what is life? You know. And one of the things about the prestige that I really like um I don't know who made The Illusionist, but Christopher Nolan made The Prestige. Mm. And I feel like in that movie, Christopher Nolan is um, kind of asking questions about the lengths that we'll go to uh, in competition with one another. Mm -hmm. Because he can't figure out how Christian Bale is able to do his tricks, and he can do it because of his twin. Oh, he actually has a twin. He actually has a twin. And, And so... Like, literally, Hugh Jackman's character, you know, hooks up with Tesla to create this, like, cloning machine that, like, defies the abilities of humanity. Mm -hmm. The conventions of magic. Yeah. In in order to create clones to then murder them one after another to accomplish his magic tricks to be able to compete with the other guy. Oh wow, yeah. And and it's just kind of begging these questions about the lengths that we'll go to to mm. compete with one another. Even to like the lengths of like mass murder of your clone weird. Yeah. Dang. So Yeah. Super that, interesting. That game was super fun though. Got some good feedback from Levi. Love that dude. Giving us some killer feedback. Yeah. <laughs> what listening to our Thank you so much Levi. For listening to our podcast. Yes. So cool. <laughs> Along those lines, um, Pat, my 
older sister's boyfriend has listened to all of our podcasts now. Oh, yes. So Thanks, Pat. He yes. actually wanted to weigh in a little bit on the uh, Paul Giamatti um, mess up. <laughs> well, not the mess up, but kind of the debate about why Paul Giamatti is such a great actor. Oh, yeah. When we started, yeah, we were talking about and, that. And, and so one of the things that, that he said was just like Daniel Day-Lewis, who we also talked about in that mm-hmm. uh, episode, was that Paul Giamatti is seems to be very selective in his roles. He he takes on a lot of roles, mm-hmm. but he he's selective in in that he picks roles that suit him perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he never does a role that seems out, outside of right. what fits for Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. And and in doing so, he really protects his brand as an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and every everything is on brand for Paul Giamatti. Every right. every single character that he plays is perfect for Paul Giamatti, and because of that, everything he does is great. Yeah, I agree. We know we we know that Paul Giamatti is gonna do well in whatever role he he chooses to be in. A little bit more follow up from that last episode was my movie choice yeah. in editing back the podcast. Like, I don't know what I, what I expected for you to be able to, to guess that one or anybody listening. Like it's that, a good, it was, it's a good movie. Like it's, it's a good movie and it, but, it offered itself to, is it even considered a movie? That's a that's a good question. It might not be. It's a, it's a DVD, but it might not be considered a movie. It's a filming, right? It's a filming of a stage play, mm-hmm. and so it it offered itself to easily being able to be hinted at throughout by just making Shakespeare references and driving it towards Shakespeare. But I don't think that's the purpose of the movie game. You know, I think that I think the purpose of the movie game is having to weave in difficult references mm-hmm. that hint at the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think as a movie, like obscure ish, right. Tr- trying to really drive somebody into subconsciously figuring out what the movie is. And because it is a filming of a play that covers the entirety of the most prolific writer in the English language, uh, or at least the most famous writer in mm-hmm. the English language, that I think it kind of fails at, at being a good use for the movie game. I was thinking cinema. Like, right. A cinematic experience. But no, I mean, you should watch, listener, you should watch Reduce Shakespeare if you know anything about Shakespeare or or appreciate his work. It is a very funny movie or filming. (laughs) All right. Next piece of follow up I have, um, in the last episode, I talked about, um, my car and a lot of the problems I had. And I kind of bragged about how my alternator wasn't having any issues. Nice. And then, so it hasn't. Your your car's been great. <laughs> well, you would like to think so, wouldn't you? But since we last recorded, 
My alternator failed. <laughs> wow. Wasn't that like the second alternator you had? Like, so no? the, the original alternator was in when we bought it. Um, it had developed some sort of rotational issue where you could hear it like clicking as it rotated. Um, what is the alternator? So the alternator like basically runs the elect electrical components of the car while it's running. Like recharges the battery and stuff. I don't think it necessarily recharges the battery in just a normal car. I think it helps recharge the battery in like a hybrid car. Um, I think mm. we may have even talked about this in the last podcast. I know. I'm like that's, a little confused on the alternator vibe. That was the thing that basically made your like radio and headlights go wah, 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 wah. Um, yes and no. Uh, it's probably more of the grounding issue that makes it go do that. Oh. Um, but anyway, so we had the original alternator. That one was clicking. Replaced that with the new alternator. That one failed after like a month. But they rebuild alternators. And so then um, we replaced that one. And that, that new alternator had lasted for like two years. And then it just failed again. So. Oh, dumb. We replaced that alternator. And so that makes like four alternators on my car wow that really sucks your car is an alternator eater kind of kind of yeah yeah so um i just wanted to follow up with my car story uh with the fact that all of the hubris that i showed for (laughs) how well my car was running now was not founded (laughs) but it's working now it is working now perfect um, and hopefully for the foreseeable future, fingers crossed. Bingo. I, I saw it. Listeners, he crossed his fingers. Actually, I have a segment that I want to kind of introduce spur of the moment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All hit, right. Hit Justin. Hit me with it. Hit us with your, it's time for Justin's deep, dark secret. Hit us with it. Wow. Uh, I shouldn't have asked you to hit me with it. <laughs> <laughs> you almost did a spit take right into your microphone. <laughs> um, deep dark secret. Yep. Like, hit us with a secret. A secret. A secret that you have not told anybody or many not people. Not told anybody. Yeah. Or how, how about just not public knowledge? Yeah, not public knowledge. Yeah, that. Um, okay. <laughs> so today's deep dark secret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Since apparently this is a whole segment now. Is um, I can stick my pinky fing- my pinky finger oh. all the way up my nose, oh, man. Like to like the entire length of the pinky finger. Oh yeah, I've seen this. You got to lick your finger. Yeah, to, do you to want me to it do it right now? Get your reactions oh, on. His like pinky knuckle. So right now it's all the way up there, Um, and the thing that is the thing that stops it. So hold on, this is really uncomfortable. Hold on, I feel like I can breathe. Oh man! 
What do you shove up in there? So like, you got to shove like boogers up deep into your brain. <laughs> no, so I think I broke my nose at some point, uh. or, or I just have like an oddly formed nasal cavity, and so the the left nasal cavity is very thin, and the right nasal, nasal cavity is very open. Like mm. abnormally open for my nostril size. You have gigantic nostrils. I, I, do, I, I have do. teeny tiny nostrils. <laughs> yeah. The two limiting factors to like sticking my finger completely to like the webbing of my finger mm. of my nose is the size of my nostril and and that like middle knuckle on the pinky. Mm-hmm. That it's it's very difficult to get that middle knuckle through the nostril. It, that's what stops you. Your and pinky. That that's size. that's the main main limiting factor. If I like scrunch everything up, I actually like hit like bone or hit hit like some sort of like stop oh, where so like gross. my nasal cavity basically ends. Oh wow. So um that was incredibly unattractive and I apologize for everyone that had to listen to that. Oh. Um but Christian asked for a deep dark dark secret. And wow. that was the first one that came to mind. I hope that didn't disappoint for no, your new segment. not at all. Our listeners, thank you. Oh, that's so gross. Well, moving on to our main <laughs> topic for today. Yes. Um, it is different from your sheet. What I, I want to move on to is um, the, this idea that we have both talked about and thought about quite often. And that is this idea that people uh, tend to believe things are better in the past than they are now. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah, remembering the good old days. And I think this is this is um, no more better portrayed than in the movie Midnight in Paris. Yep. So do you want to talk about Midnight in Paris real quick briefly? Yes, absolutely. So uh, it's a Woody Allen movie, and the main character, Owen Wilson, portrays this dude who goes to Paris for his honeymoon, I believe. Yeah, he's a a writer. Um, I don't think it's actually for his honeymoon. It's like him and his fiance and his fiance's family. Mm, Okay. Oh, yeah. It's like a vacation. Fiance situation. Okay. Um, So they're in Paris. And he's obsessed with the 20s, just pretty much the culture of the 20s, all like authors and artists of the 20s and just like infatuated with the era. The Hemingways, in the, general. the Fitzgeralds, all, all of Who's the... Who's that, that um, painter? Picasso. No. No, Dali. Dali, yeah, Salvador yes. Dali. Portrayed um, by uh, Adrian, Adrian Brody. Brody. Yeah. It, it just, just like the, yeah, all of all of the... So many, you know, great minds that came together in the twenties in Paris, and and it was just this whole subculture of of fascinating creativity people and yeah. creativity happening together in one place. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so cool. Yeah. So he like basically walks through the streets of Paris, um, really late at night, and at midnight, basically like there wasn't really like a whirlwind or anything. It's just like. At, when midnight struck, just all of a sudden, the streets were lined with people in 20s attire, and basically the world became... And like a, a 20s car drove up and was like, hey, get in, get in. Yeah, yeah. And he basically just 
ended up in the 20s and went to this bar that all those creatives were hanging out in. And it was Salvador Dali and Hemingway and Mm -hmm. who else? Um, The Fitzgeralds, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. And he was just like, it's it's so good to meet you. And just so like, wow, picking their brains and stuff, asking them really cool questions and very just like, this is it. This I'm, I'm there. I'm there. And they still like, even when he was asking them questions, it's something, an itch, an itch that he thought would be scratched was still not fully scratched. Sure. Right. And then, and he met a girl, uh, in the twenties who, um, like they, they began a little bit of a romance yeah. and he would go back every night and find himself back in the twenties. And, then yeah like when, after after like when when he came back from his stroll you know even chilling in the 20s he came back and then then at he was some back point, in modern day yeah back in modern day in the morning and and so that you know he was kind of falling in love with this other girl that wasn't his fiance from the 20s from the 20s yeah uh talk about a long distance relationship <laughs> um and they um, began falling in love and, and he was just saying kind like, of, kind of, it was very, it, it seemed pretty innocent. Yeah. It, it, it was definitely on, Way, on the innocence side mm-hmm. of falling in very love. like young, very like mm-hmm. flirty or whatever, but ba- so, so basic. He, he had a fiance. He was like more faithful than she was. Yeah. Yeah. And she ended up being, yes. Yeah, spoiler, Sorry, spoiler. alert. Wow. She's <laughs> totally cheating on him, but yeah, and and through the course of of talking with her, um, you know, he he she knows he's from the future, kind of like from a different time, and and mm-hmm. he's he tells her how fantastic it is in the you know in the nineteen twenties. She doesn't know how good she has it now. This is like the peak of society right now. That's what he was telling her. Yeah, and she's like what are you talking about? Like, like the late 1800s. That was, mm-hmm. that was when all of these fantastic designers, the 1880s, wasn't it? It's was like, yeah, like 1880s somewhere in like that. That's when all of the, the height of, of all of these designers and architects. And like, that was the place to be. That was the time to be. Mm-hmm. And then they're strolling down through the thing and they, they get transported back into that time mm-hmm. and they're, they're there in that time. And they're talking to those people, her heroes, the people that, that she's idolized mm-hmm. and, and she's telling them how this is like the most amazing time to be alive. And mm-hmm. they're, and they then turn to her and like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like the 1850s, that's mm-hmm. when it, and, and it's just like this ever going cycle of people looking back at the past and, yeah. and imagining just like, the golden age that existed right. before them that what a they, beautiful concept. they just missed out on. They just missed yeah. out on this time where everything was perfect and, and they don't get to experience that. now. Everything was glorious. Yeah. So that, that kind of paints the concept mm-hmm. and um, you know, that movie ends up resolving with Owen Wilson kind of realizing that he has to make the best of, what he has mm-hmm. now, the, right? That the now is the time that he has been given, and, and that's the time that he has to focus on. Mm-hmm. Gives and, him an appreciation for the present. Yeah, and, and so he meets another Parisian girl after he breaks up with his fiance, and um, that's kind of where it ends. Is is them 
going off. Um, I think it's like raining and they like are walking through the rain and that's like yeah. the end of the movie. But that concept um, really struck me Remind- and stuck with me. It reminds me, just another little reference, it reminds me of the final episode of The Office, which, tiny yes. little spoiler, yes. I suppose, when Andy um, says, he was basically thinking, looking back on his acapella group from college and going like, and it's a really touching moment. He's and, like, and, and what he says extends you know, yeah. by, by, by transferring over the entirety of what mm-hmm. we have experienced as viewers yeah, of the office of the office. Yeah. And he's like, I just, I would just wish you knew, I just wish we knew that we were in the good old days when we were in them, you right. know? And like, cause you look back on them and you're like, those were the good old days. He's just like, I wish I knew that those were the good old days. Right. Dang. That like has so much weight to it, definitely. So I, th- I thought it'd be fun um, to each of us give a couple a couple examples of of times that you look back fondly, yeah, on as the good old days. Mm-hmm. Um, so why, why why don't you start with one, then I'll do one, yeah, and then maybe if we have another, we'll do another for sure. Wow. Okay. Well. Yeah, I I have a couple. So like when I was in fourth grade, I lived in Yuma, Arizona, which is like the furthest south you can get before you're like, it's kind of close to the border of California and Mexico. Um, And I mean, that's just a little bit of geography, but I went to a school that I loved and had a bunch of friends that I loved. And um, basically like I had a little romance ish, whatever you're, you're in fourth grade, but I like had a girlfriend and I just remember like, and like the girlfriend part wasn't real. It was just a, like a fun thing to like look fondly on. And we like, um, went on a field trip. I remember. And like, that was a really awesome field trip. My teacher was amazing. Um, and kind of like, like the last day of school that I like, that I, you know, that I was going to be there and everybody knew that I was going to move. Um, it it was the final day. Oh no, I think I was going to miss the last day of school. Yeah. I missed the last day of school. It was like the second, second or third to last day of school that we had like a party. And I was, I, I had gotten like a plate full of like grapes and cheese. And I had like a little cup of Sprite classic, like fourth grade party snacks and was sitting at my, at a little table. And so weird. I mean, I had like a really great friend there, friend in, you know, in Yuma that who lived down the street from me. And we always hung out, Ryan Norton, Ryan, if you're listening to this ever, dude, you're so cool. You helped shape my childhood and you're so fun. Um, I had a lot of great times jumping on your trampoline. Um, but, uh, so that, that like day I had like my little plate and stuff and Sprite, whatever. And like these three girls who like, I like, I remember one of them in particular. I can't remember the other two, but like, they're like, Hey Christian, what's up? And I was like, what do you want? <laughs> like super I wasn't skeptical. Yeah. Super skeptical. It was like, Hey. And I was like, what, what do you want? And 
they were like, we're going to miss you. And they like threw their arms around me and like hugged me. And I was like, uh, I was like, Hey, ugh, cause he like almost made me make, made me make my, made me spill my Sprite or whatever. And I was like, wait, but like deep in my heart, I like looked back on that and I was like, oh, that was so sweet. That was so cool. And it's not just like that moment. It's just like the vibes of like that fourth grade class and like my friends and like the, the great like friends that I had that were like missing me, you know, like, so that was like, that was like probably one moment that was like really far in the past that like I look back on really fondly. How totally. about you? So the, the, the first one that comes to mind is, um, just gr- growing up in Flagstaff and, uh, you know, my, my friends, the, the Russells and Flagstaff and just, just be, being re- really close to them and, and always wanted to go back to Flagstaff. And so like, like when we moved, um, I, I like for a while, I considered myself like, a Flagstaffian, like, <laughs> like I, I considered myself from Flagstaff for, for several years after we moved, um, okay. down to Phoenix. Yeah. I always wanted to move back and I, I, like that was, that was, uh, like a part of my identity. And, and I think, um, that was the first time, like as I got older and kept going back and kept going back and like, I kind of began to realize that, like it's it's kind of just another place like mm-hmm. like it's just another place and it's another place that i have fewer and fewer connections to and attachments to mm-hmm. especially compared to where i live now mm-hmm. and and so i think that was kind of one of the first times that i you know was confronted with uh like a shattering of mm. of those you know, previous notions of the good old days. Mm -hmm. So another one for me, um, is definitely high school theater. Like, Mm -hmm. like just, um, how busy it kept both of us. I'm sure that Mm -hmm. that you would echo. Yeah. Big time. The same thing. It's just, uh, you know, for four to five hours a day, every day for four years Mm -hmm. basically was, was like the time commitments that we, put in, uh, at high school theater. And, uh, yeah, like I look back so fondly on that mm-hmm. and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really glad that I can't go back and visit that time mm-hmm. because those memories don't get, uh, shattered or altered, mm-hmm. um, in any way they kind of get preserved, mm-hmm. um, as the good old days in your mind. Yeah, for real. I would definitely echo that. That was going to be my other one. Just like high school theater, big time. Like being in Footloose my sophomore year, that was such a great memory. Like competing in like in festivals, theater festivals, like every year was just so fun. Like winning some of those, getting to perform in front of like the whole festival was just a dream come true. I felt so good. I felt like I was fully using all of these like gifts I had been given, you know, like my talent, my singing ability or whatever. And like, and then being acknowledged for them Mm. like publicly, it just like was a complete, it was like the completion of like everything I had worked for. Yeah. 
I love that so much. So many great memories in high school. So many. I loved it so much. Yeah. It was, and yeah. And, but like about, about like thinking of that as the glory days. Yes. Like I think so fondly on those, but I also think about how, like how much that has shaped me into who I am right now. Mm -hmm. And my priorities now are, have just evolved and blossomed into a way more like fulfilled person. Mm. And like, I would not trade those experiences, but I also like, am so, so, so happy with where I'm at now. Yeah. And I know that I look back on those and go, I know I didn't get myself to that point. And I know I didn't get myself to this point. It was all because of people in my life and experiences and God that like, shaped me into who I am and who I will continue to be. So I'm just like, Hmm. so I hope that I will continue to think of this moment. I I hope I will never, never stop cherishing the moment I'm in right now. So the last one that that comes to my mind, and this is one that I look back on very fondly and know that I will never get back. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I say it, you're 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 gonna totally be mm. on the same page as mm-hmm. me. The abundance of time that I had in college to sit in a coffee shop mm. basically seven days a week, multiple hours a day, mm-hmm. and drink a bottomless cup at Radina's and mm-hmm. sit there and either read things on the internet, watch TED Talks, YouTube videos talk Mm. with you, Mm -hmm. talk with people in the coffee shop, get to know the baristas and just have that like, that like third space in my life that Mm -hmm. wasn't where I lived or where I went to school slash worked. It was like another place, a meeting place, a hangout place where I would see some people from school. I saw people that I only knew them in the context of the coffee shop, but we had developed friendships because we saw each other there every day mm-hmm. for years and mm-hmm. that 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 is just a space mm-hmm. that unless i move to that type of community again where everything is so small and so close mm-hmm. um and unless i have that type of time on my hands to dedicate mm-hmm. um you know it's probably not something that maybe until I'm retired that I'll be able to experience quite on that level again. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, it was, it was phenomenal. It, it never felt like I wasted time by going and sitting in the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And right. it was, it, I, I feel like something about that experience was very maturing and growing as a human being Mm -hmm. was like, there was this other place that was, was like kind of my place. Like it wasn't my place, but it was kind of my place. It was so familiar and, and it was so shared with so many people. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's something about that that was just beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, 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 what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw um, Midnight in Paris my freshman year of college with you in your apartment. In, in my like, apartment, yeah. You were a junior, I was a freshman. 
And like, I think of, it's so weird. I think of Rodina's as like that bar that like, like Owen Wilson went to in the twenties. I think of it like very fondly, like, like I get the warm feelings that I, that I feel like he got going back to that era, even Mm -hmm. like in the present when I was there, like it just felt so there was like a creative energy. Yeah. Yes. Just so much energy. Yeah. I have so many memories, so many rich, deep memories in conversations there there were afternoons that i just spent like riding in Mm -hmm. radinas oh yeah for real rainy days snowy days like just sitting there with a coffee looking out the window watching people play music on Mm -hmm. music nights at Mm radinas like yeah totally totally. i wrote so much i did so much homework at Mm radinas like it was such a sacred place third a third space that was like, I, I definitely have memories of working in the cafeteria at school, going to the classrooms. I remember the classrooms. I remember the cafeteria. I remember my friends. I remember my house that I lived in off campus. Mm-hmm. But like, there's always that constant, that steady, constant Redina's that like, no matter where I lived, no matter where I worked, no matter where I ate, no matter where I slept, like Redina's was always like, it's so weird. Like, Mama Radina's <laughs> something like when you're here, you're home. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's crazy. I'm drinking like five cups of coffee in one sitting so and much, peeing straight coffee. So much coffee in that little bathroom in Radina's that I can remember the smell of. I, I can I can remember being so jittery, like <laughs> yeah. like feeling sick from the amount of caffeine that mm-hmm. I ingested. Yeah, and totally like okay with it. Yep, they 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 always had like awesome choice like like. The, it was, what was it? It was like the vacuum press coffee, like coffee holder, you know, like that was what the bottomless cup was. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a pour over or anything. It was just like, and you could either choose, there was like French roast always. There was always like their I house blend, the house blend. And then there was like an auxiliary there, one that always kind of rotated. Two, there, two then there was always two others. One of them was like, oh yeah. Like there was always, um, that bl- like berry. What was there, that? There, there was. So they always rotated depending mm-hmm. on what mm-hmm. beans they had in Guatemala, they had Guatemala, Nicaraguan, Ethiopian. What Tan- was that? Tanzania pea berry. Tanzania pea berry. That wow, one was yes. so so good. Yes, it was so and, good. And then there was India monsoon Malabar. Mm-hmm. Yes, India monsoon Malabar. That was oh, that, that was so that good. That one oh. was mind blowing yes. good. If you, I'm sorry if you don't like coffee, but. Um, Mm-hmm. That that that's really where I think we both fell in love mm-hmm. with coffee. Yep. And tan or uh, India monsoon Malabar. That that one was the one that um, they stopped having. I think during my senior year, mm. and and I asked the roaster uh, whose name was Steve that we had both we had gotten to know the the roaster. He actually ended up moving to San Diego, oh, but wow. we, I asked him like. Hey, where's India Monsoon Malabar been? I haven't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. And he said, because of political unrest in the region, <laughs> like the, they basically will no, no longer get India Monsoon Malabar. Wow. And so that, that was kind of a like shocking realization, mm-hmm. like first world problem. Yeah, for real. Like, oh, my coffee's not available because people's lives are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Our friends, our friends that we met in Redina's, well, I can think of one in particular, Lior. Yeah. yeah. She was from Israel. 
Yeah. She, she so was, cool. So friendly. Grew up in Tel Aviv and moved to Kansas City in like high school. She moved back to Israel. Oh, she moved Saw back on to Facebook, Israel. Facebook, yeah. Man. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I met another lady from Israel there, Bari. Oh, really? Yeah. She's, she's, she was like maybe in her 60s, really cool lady, like so sweet, so sweet. Just what, like such great, great folks in Rodina's. There was always this, there was always this old dude who looked, I feel like he looked like Mark Twain. I just remember there was like an old like professor, Mm -hmm. a K-State professor that always met in there, that always like chilled in there. Yep. And had like round, like thick glasses. Yep. I totally know who you're talking about. Yeah. And And then there was always the... There was like a, a small group of grad students that would always hang out in there, mm-hmm. and you could tell they were like ten years older than the undergrads. Yeah, and th- there was the one guy with like long red hair and a yes. beard. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you're like, you've been a student for a long time, but <laughs> you do. You love Rodinas, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like like you have to be working on like your yes. doctoral work right now, don't yep. you? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Ugh. And like, I feel like a, a place like Rodina's, like, and the memories and stuff associated with Rodina's would like only be possible in that situation, in that college town at the corner of Aggieville, mm-hmm. that bar district, like only there. Right. And, and Manhattan is set up in a way that, um, you know, b- both schools, Kansas State University and Manhattan Christian College are both situated so close to the bar district mm-hmm. that um, literally it's like that entire area is so, so walkable and so close mm-hmm. that it's always crawling with, you know, hundreds of people your age. There's mm-hmm. just always an energy of people, people there. Mm-hmm. And the energy, the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was, that was really exciting. You felt you felt so free, especially being a like a young, like getting just getting to college. You just gained your independence, and just walking up and down that it, it was just it just felt so free, like kind of equivalent to like somebody going to New York City, going to the big city. It's just like you felt that like freedom walking up and down Aggieville. Somehow, like Varsity Donuts, the donut shop that opened. I, you were mm-hmm. you must have been a senior or something when that junior, I think. Junior when that coffee shop yep. opened. It was yeah. I mean when that donut shop opened. Mm-hmm. Like I had like all of my friends like my age were like worked at that at that donut shop. A lot of memories from there. I was in a music video set there one <laughs> night. Oh, it was just so great. As we were wow, looking that was great. I loved walking down memory lane yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And as we we're looking at um Memories that we're fond of, mm-hmm. and um, both of us, uh, some of us more into our mid twenties than than others of <laughs> us too. <clears throat> um, you, you're twenty five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the older of the two. Um, so looking at those memories, uh, I think we should have a homework assignment. Yeah. Um, it's a book that I've wanted to read for a long time so we can read it and then discuss it on the next podcast. And it is called the defining decade, um, by a lady named Meg J PhD. Um, and it is subtitled, 
uh, why your 20s matter and how to make the most of them now. Mm. So as we're looking at how fondly we think about the past, Mm -hmm. I think it'd be great to make the most of the now so that in 10 years we can look fondly on the now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that segues nicely into the homework. Yeah. So uh, here's a little snippet um, of the defining decade or a little um, a little summary. It says, our 30 is the new 20 culture tells us that the 20 something years don't matter. Some say they are an extended adolescence. Others call them an emerging adulthood. But 30 is not the new 20. In this enlightening book, Dr. Meg Jay reveals how many 20-somethings have been caught in a swirl of hype and misinformation that has trivialized uh, what are actually the most defining years of adulthood. So I think that wow. I think that'd be fun for two 20-somethings to read the book about making the most of your 20-somethings and then talk about how we can do that. Yeah, for sure. Excited. Hopefully, um, we'll be able to record again in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening, please join along with the Talking Duo Book Club, which is apparently a new segment here as well. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Subscribe. Tell your friends about us. That's weird. But not really. Give us feedback. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening.